Welcome to You Don't Know Mojack. My name is Ryan. My name's Brent. And this episode, we're discussing SST 29. And mom, turn this one off. Lock your daughters up. It's Black Flag. Slip it in. Are you ready to mount up, Ryan? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know, we'll get into it in a bit, but it's, it's one of my favorite records. It's also one of probably Black Flag's most controversial records. It's one of the ones that they take the most crap for. Anyways, we'll save that for later. I have a quick spiel, though. Lay it on me. So I was at my local record shop lately, and I found a split 7-inch by a group called... The one side is by a band called Bork, B-O-R-K. The other side is by a band called Bob Mould and the Pillow Biters. You ever heard of that? I've heard of Bob Mould. Right. Well, I thought it was kind of related to SST because it obviously had Bob Mould in the name, but it has nothing to do with Bob Mould. I thought it might not. Yeah, it's yeah. it's actually a an unreleased, like kind of, I guess, a bootleg of the A-side is a squirrel bait song. And the B-side is David Grubbs from Squirrel Bait just playing with some tapes. I don't know if you know anything about Squirrel Bait. They're kind of a one of, I think they're David Grubbs' first band. I really like their, their uh, that one record I, I had. Skag Heaven, is that an album? Yeah, Skag Heaven, yep. for sure, is uh, an awesome, awesome album. There's also that one song that I really like. I think it's called Tapes from California. Gosh, I haven't listened to that for a long time. It's on Skag Heaven, though, from 86. Anyways, it's an unreleased Squirrel Bait song, and it's pretty hardcore, but it's really good. I don't know if I would call Squirrel Bait, I guess they would be, for a moment there, a contemporary of Husker Du, but I would say probably influenced by Husker Du. So no surprise that this weird bootleg that doesn't credit Squirrel Bait or David Grubbs at all the A-side is by Bob Mould and the Pillow Biters. Anyways, that was kind of neat. Yeah, very neat. Anything from you? I'm ready to slip it in. History lesson, part one. Slip it in. We mentioned it's kind of a a controversial record. We'll get into a few of those details in a bit. It's just another one of those albums that came out by Black Flag in 84. I seem to recall reading about how like I'm pretty sure it was recorded before Family Man and when I was re-listening to it for this week's podcast I'm I couldn't find that quote or whatever the reference that mentioned how it was recorded before Family Man but when I listened to it it makes a lot of sense you know slip it in yeah. s- slip it in sounds like an early version of the Bill and Kira version of the band like they're they are not quite locked in and as technically proficient as they are on Family Man. Well, I wonder if they didn't record some of uh, the Family Man tracks at the same time as they did this. Well, what I was able to find is, I mean, they recorded Slip It In. It sounds like in a, like a 48-hour session after they returned from their first European tour with Kira. And, yep. and it sounds like, you know, they were, would block that 48 hours because you could get you know you get a bit of a break on the price but by all accounts it was a marathon for 48 hours 
you know, Kira had learned, I guess, basically the My War album and went and toured and probably started working up some of these songs with the rest of the band. And then right after they came back, before they started touring again over Christmas, they, uh, they locked down for 48 hours and recorded Slip It In. And it sounds like, too, like it was, it was nice to have all your equipment set up for the whole 48 hours, but it was quite a grueling session, too. Yeah, well, you you use the word marathon, and I it made me think that like that whole year of 1984 was a marathon. They truly were making up for lost time in 84. I mean, it's, again, it's just a credit to their work ethic. Uh, to me, it's amazing what they achieved in a one-year period. They played over close to 200 shows, which is insane, in 1984, and managed to record... Um, well, My War was mostly done, but almost three studio albums and mix a live album in between all the touring. And uh, I managed to narrow down a few of the dates just based on getting the van journal entry dates. Yeah, I was looking at that too. You you almost have to figure it out by process of elimination. Yeah, well, I did a little sleuthing because unfortunately Henry doesn't talk much. I'm... It, it sounds like he journaled quite extensively. I mean, if you read some of his later books, like I'm specifically thinking of, there's a, a one that he did when the Rollins Band reunited a decade ago or so. Yeah. And it's daily. And so I don't know if he was doing that then, but and he just excluded uh, all the other material when he edited uh, Get in the Van, but... It's always been a something that's bothered me about Get in the Van is it's strictly a tour, like a tour diary, and I wish there was more uh, details about what was happening with the band when they were off the road in Get in the Van. Yeah, there's no, there's very little, if any, studio anecdotes. I flipped through it again for this podcast, and there's very little in there uh, from 1984. That Rollins book, though, is a really good book. Um, I, I didn't, I mean, I, I wasn't planning on mentioning it but since you did it's called broken summers uh that's not the one i was talking about but that one's really good too which one are you talking about uh let me go get it off my shelf hold on uh got it a dull roar is the one i was thinking of i thought you said it was a reunion tour one yep that's what this is 2006 it's when they uh, played a bunch of shows with x rollins band Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Are you thinking the one, of the West Memphis Three? That's the one I was thinking of. You're right. Yeah. So yeah. broken, so broken summers is like the tour diary of the West Memphis Three shows when they're playing flag songs, and that's the one where there it's a Rollins band. So remind me though, what's the lineup? Do you remember of Rollins band during that show? Is it the Mother Superior lineup? No, it's the Wait lineup. It's uh, Haskett, Melvin. And Sim Kane. Sim Kane, right on. Sim Kane. No, uh, I don't think Teo Van Rock made the trip though. I think he retired. It's been a while since I read this book. And that one you you mentioned, I think there's an uh, two thirteen sixty one has a CD of it, just like the Get in the Van one. Like a spoken word. Yeah. Ah, okay. It's either that one or it's the Night Behind the Tree Lines one. I might be getting them confused. Yeah, I haven't, though. What's the one you mentioned again? 
Night Nights Behind the Tree Line, I think it's called. Okay. Yeah, I have not read that one for ever. I read Broken Same. I read Broken Summers right when it came out. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out again. But yeah, anyways, my my point is in these books, they're very detailed journaling and get in the van. He either uh wasn't journaling like that or he was uh editing you know studio stuff and downtime out which i mean there's some stuff like from off the road but it's mostly him in the shed yeah well i i almost wonder too right like when he was journaling during the black flag days there was no intention of it being a book yeah true whereas for these reunion tour ones i mean he knew these are going to be books i better get it all down that's a good point yeah it's been a long time since I read A Doll Roar, but I do remember him saying that the uh, the whole thing was a huge mistake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder why that is. Well, I know, I mean, he's, that's 10 years old, right? At least. Yeah. And uh, Yeah, that was it for Hank. He was done playing rock music after that. Yeah, no, I, I was just going to say, um, every interview with him in the last 10 years at least he's like no I'm done doing music no one wants to see that I, w- I always kind of feel like it's because he knows he can't perform as well as he would like to like physically yeah well they performed this is during this time he had the Henry Rollins show which was great and they this lineup uh, performed on there Oh, I don't remember seeing. I saw a few episodes of that, and I thought they were really good. I did not see that one. He had some great guests on there. The Mars Volta performance was memorable for sure. Ryan Adams had a really memorable memorable performance. Slayer. Stooges. Yep, Stooges. They had Stooges with Watt on there, and I always, I always thought it was interesting because you know, Watt has, you know, he's so quotable. He's got so many cool things to say. I just remember when he was on that episode and he's sitting there with Iggy and the Ashton brothers and he, yep. and he just seemed so humbled. He, yeah. he could hardly even get a word out of his mouth. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when you're sitting, uh, he, he, Watt's totally quotable, but, um, you know, I think when you're sitting next to uh, the mighty Egg... <laughs> It's uh, <laughs> you've met your match in the uh in the quotable department. Yeah, that's fair enough. The lizard himself. Yep. The mighty lizard. One thing um I was able to find though about the recording of Slip It In. Not only that it was like a forty-eight hour session, but in uh, the Michael Azarad book, I don't know if you saw this. There's a quote from Mike Watt, and he stopped by while they were doing the mixing. Okay. And the memory from Mike Watt is that it looked like a bunch of hands just fighting over the control board. And we'll get to that when we talk about how this album is recorded and mixed. And uh, also just sitting there on the console was an LP by Dio. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you and I have been in the studio, you know, when it was all hands... (laughs) on the board to to get the mix right so maybe there was a bit of that going on too yeah no no automation back then maybe no well here's what i found in my sleuthing through getting the van so 
the first journal journal entry after they get home from the UK tour is June 23rd. And then they're home. They're playing shows in Hermosa Beach, San Diego, Phoenix. They're kind of just, you know, quick little jaunts. And then uh, that's throughout July. And then the first entry of the next leg of the tour is July 24th. So I figure they recorded Slip It In somewhere between June 23rd and July 24th. Yeah, there's a, some stretch in that four-week period is what I figured yep. out too. Yeah. One thing I also found too, you know, we'll, we'll get to uh, maybe in the history lesson part two about, you know, what people think about this record. Uh, one other quote that I found that I really liked was um it was it's actually a bit of a diss i guess but i didn't really i didn't think it was that bad i mean it it's not completely wrong i guess um in the trouser press ira robbins calls this record or says that it blurs the lines between moronic punk and moronic metal i don't necessarily agree with moronic but the blur between punk and metal and the fact that while they were mixing this record, they had a deal record on the console makes a lot of sense to me anyways when I listen to it, especially when I think about Greg Ginn's solos. Yeah, I don't really uh, think of Greg Ginn as a shredder in the same vein of as uh, Vivian Campbell from Dio. But, uh, you know, I, I don't I don't really get the the influence other than, uh, you know, there's some chugging guitars, maybe on this a little bit yeah i don't i definitely don't mean that they sound like deal or anything like that but the the tempo of the record and like if you mean the chugging like the palm muting or whatever mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. but i like that well me too me too like uh, on the opening riff of, riff of wound up when he th throws in some chugging like i'm all over that yeah this album got pretty bad reviews overall. I read a brutal one in one of the books from Robert Christigo, who uh, I think he, I didn't write it down, but I think he wrote for Rolling Stone. I think he's the guy that gave like Meat Puppets 2 and Zen Arcade and Double Nickels, all those glowing reviews. Yeah. He, he, I think he's like, he, isn't he the, the dean of rock critics or something like that? Yeah, well he, he said something like, uh, the lyrics are, sound like they were written by people who learned everything they know about sex from movies or something like that. Yep, yep. he gave it a C plus. Yeah, it was a pretty hard diss. Yeah, and lots of people back then gave this record very poor reviews. Well, I'd say it's aged well. I mean, lots of people seem to like it. I always have. I mean, I lyrically, um, we'll get to it, but the title track's a little off color these days. But do you want to talk about the release? Sure, let's get into it. History Lesson, Part 2. All right, so we, we've been dancing around it long enough. Let's talk about just the concept of Slip It In. Yeah. there You you hear so many different takes on it and read so many different takes on it. And I kind of, myself, see them all as a bit right in the sense that, you know, you hear some people refer to just the concept of slip it in and the lyrics as kind of Neanderthal misogyny. But then there's another narrative about 
kind of playing hard to get and then regrets like the morning after. I think it's kind of a bit of both. I think uh, the thing that made the most sense to me, though, was the uh, the passage in Stevie Chick's book, Spray Paint the Walls, where he's talking about it, how, you know, especially in this day and age, you know, it's some of, some aspects of the lyrics, the concept of slip it in are pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. Even though it is, it's clear that, you, you know, and it really, it really touches on the issue of consent, I guess. Um, but it's still uncomfortable, even though it's clear that at the end of the day, consent is, you know, not withheld, but there's an element during the song where it sounds. Yeah. You like, you say you don't want it that. Yeah. It sounds yeah. a little coerced, but you know, the yeah. thing is, is that this is not the first, you know, rock song by any means to deal with, you know, sex or the pursuit of a, a love interest, even if it's like a one night stand and even groupies. I think it's just that it was black flag though. I mean, this is, you know, this is more like Motley Crue or Van Halen territory. You know what I mean? I think that's the problem that people have with it. That's definitely part of it because, you know, you're you're in the punk scene, you're supposed to be above this. Yeah. They made no bones about it at the time. They were chasing women. Yeah. And I mean, like, Mugger obviously was notorious. The Nig Heist was on, on you know, on tour with them a lot and... Their, their behavior and lyrical content was a zillion times worse than, than Slip It In. Yeah, and Nig Heist, of course, you know, Mugger was the roadie for Black Flag before he kind of became SST's accountant. And the Nig Heist would uh, open for Black Flag. They were intentionally confrontational and insulting. And even, if I'm not mistaken, on that... Uh, European tour before they came back and recorded Slipping and I think Kira was actually playing for Nig Heist but like behind the curtain yeah there's a good quote from Kira she kind of has said this a few times like she says uh, it wasn't like I was offended but I felt if this is how you feel about women then why would you want a girl in your group yeah I totally get it now but here here's the other thing about Slip It In it's it's got some pretty provocative controversial lyrics but the song is awesome oh it's it is i mean for me the first 30 seconds of the song slip it in are like you know the the pinnacle of black flag yeah they they rival but, the first 30 seconds of my war yeah the the bass the riff, the bass riff, the bass tone, the, the way Kira plays it, the the stuttering uh, drums, the way they come in, and that chord that is like that's a that's it, pure Greg Ginn yep. that chord, and then when he hits that open E, and his solo opening uh, slip it in is like, it's probably the best thing he ever did, and the the main the main riff of the song is just awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so it's one of those things where, I mean, when you say it has aged well, I say it has aged well as well, notwithstanding the 
kind of juvenile lyrical content. I was kind of surprised that they did it on that West Memphis 3 tour and on the album as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess they have to kind of take it for what it is recorded at the time and know that, yeah. know that, I mean, it probably is a bit of both, you know, it's, it's a bit stupid and it's a bit like life on the road, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but slip it in. I mean, it's a, it's an awesome song. I agree. Like those, the first 30 seconds of that song are, uh, they, I don't know, they stand pretty tall amongst the rest of the black flag catalog but i mean you follow it up with black coffee which is actually probably my favorite black flag song of all time how many times have you been like drinking black coffee uh and just singing saying that to yourself stab to my heart (laughs) well as a matter of fact about 20 minutes before recording the show but it does happen to be slip it in week but that that lyric you know anger and coffee that's your mantra oh <laughs> more day more days than i wish it was <laughs> I, yeah i love that song too uh i've always i mean i'm a big coffee drinker i have been since i was quite young i always liked kids on coffee by the descendants is my coffee drinking anthem for sure but this is like this is secondary you know the second best coffee song for sure it's funny you mentioned the descendants i was gonna bring them up uh, during the song, the next song, the third track, wound up. Yep. Arguably one of the most tuneful or melodic songs from in, in all of Black Flag's catalog. And and when I listen to this song, not only does Bill Stevenson play kind of Descendants esque type of drums on it, I could hear this as a Descendants song on like you know and the Enjoy record for example i could hear milo singing this song yeah and joy's got some weird stuff on it like you know you tend to think of, when you think of descendants you you tend to think of the hits and enjoy is my favorite descendants album and it's got some it's got some interesting stuff on it like days are blood and stuff like that yeah it also has probably one of the best descendant songs of all time get the time yeah they did weird stuff though, like the song "Enjoy" or the song "Van" or the "Ologistics." Oh yeah, you know. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Wound up, I could hear, I could definitely hear, and even the way that Kira is playing the bass, it's not quite as punctuated as Carl Alvarez, but yeah. you could hear this song with Milo Ackerman singing it and Carl doing his thing on this song. And you already hear Bill's drums. It could definitely fit there for sure. Hey, I have a question about the song Black Coffee for you. All right. Have you have you ever heard it, listened to it, and thought that it sounded like a, there was somebody playing a cowbell? Yeah, there's something in the background. Is there? There's there's some intentional. Uh, I don't know. I listened to it a lot this week with headphones on, and there's weird stuff in the mix on this record. A lot of weird vocal effects, lots of backing. Actually, you know what? Speaking of which, we didn't actually mention on the song Slip It In, this is one of one of its other claims to fame, is on uh, backing vocals on Slip It In, Suzanne Gardner from L7. Yeah. <laughs> Much to her chagrin, it often, I think, gets credited to Kira. It does. It totally gets... Yeah. I, 
I always thought it was Kira until I actually like read the the J card on my tape when I had it as a kid. Did you know Susie Gardner is also on the cover of the uh, Worm album Feast? That's her. Yep. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. So she was obviously she was obvious, obviously around. Yeah. I've always I've always really liked L Seven. Yeah, they've got a new documentary out now. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Yeah, me too, actually. I must say, you know, I tend to, typically, I tend to lean more towards kind of male vocalists. Um, yeah. But L7 and uh, Seven Year Bitch and The Gits, I still really like those bands. Yeah. So the next song, then, is Rat's Eyes. Both that one and Wound Up have lyrics by Henry. I found a cool thing about Rat's Eyes. Want to hear it? Yes. Have you ever seen the book, uh, the Henry Rollins book, Unwelcomed Songs? No. So it it came out on 21361. Uh, let me see if I can find a date here. A while ago. 2002. So what it is is Collected Lyrics, 1980 to 1992. So we're talking like every every song he wrote the lyrics for, from starting with SOA, all the Black Flag lyrics, it, and it has the look of Get in the Van. It's like the same size, and it's got tons of pictures, lots that weren't in Get in the Van, uh, lots of photos of like the handwritten lyrics, and some of the tracks have little working notes, he calls them. It's mostly Rollins Band, obviously. And it goes throughout the uh, whole career of the Rollins Band, which is cool because that band is criminally under-documented, in my opinion. If I could pick one band to have like a book written about them, preferably a oral biography, it would be Rollins Band. But good, li- good luck getting Henry to participate in that. And uh, each kind of chapter on each uh, band and or album kind of starts with a write-up by Henry. And uh, for Rat's Eyes, he says, recorded the vocal into a lavalier, the small clip on mic often used on television shows. We clipped it to a mic stand and I went for it. Gave the vocal a strange quality that suits the lyric, a very cool spot generated idea. I had no idea. And here's, you know what I thought of when I was listening to it? And like I said, I was listening to it on my headphones a lot. The vocals on Rat's Eyes have kind of an effect on it, like the central scrutinizer from Joe's Garage. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of does sound like that. Almost like a flanger kind of effect or something. Yeah, something weird. I didn't know it was just because of the type of mic, though. Yeah. That's cool. Well, that ends up uh, side one. And then on side two, it starts with the instrumental obliteration. That's the one that a lot of critics i guess say is the worst song well they probably the most critics say that rat's eyes and obliteration are kind of the worst songs on the record obliteration is quite a pummeling instrumental you do kind of feel a little obliterated by the end but i like it it fits with the record it's got a gong in it man and it starts yeah i know has a gong it fits with the record for sure yeah yeah it works the next song is The Bars, which I have always loved. And it's not Same. it's not the raw like the uh, it's not the black flag bars, it's the bars of your 
cage or the bars of your cell. You want to hear what Henry says about that song in this book? It's the only other track that he writes a, a note about for this album. He says, Before I had moved to L.A., I had never known many people who had died. After being in Black Flag for a while, I met people who, who later overdosed, committed suicide, or otherwise died. I met people who had done time in prisons, jails, and mental institutions. It was a shock to my system that someone could be there one day and then gone the next. I never thought I would know anyone like that, and then I learned that there's really no kind of person who dies unexpectedly or tragically. So that's, I guess, kind of where he was coming from when he wrote the lyrics to that song. With Chuck. He wrote him with Chuck. Yeah, Chuck is still on a couple of tracks, I thought, on this record. Yeah, that is a that is a favorite, for sure, uh, amongst many people. Yeah. And then closing off the record, the next song is My Ghetto, which kind of starts with like a 30 to 60 second feedback. And then it's like a minute of just some pretty intense kind of plodding with uh, the lyrics, My Ghetto, and screaming. And then the last song on the record is You're Not Evil, which is another kind of tuneful song. Chuck and Greg on vocals on that one. Yeah. And Dave Clausen, a.k.a. Davo, uh, a.k.a. Dave the Driver, who wrote it for Flag, uh, the Meat Puppets, Firehose, played in Nick Heist, and he also played drums on the Tom Tricoli's Dog album we're going to get to fairly soon here. He does backing vocals on Slip It In and Black Coffee. Yeah, and it's a short record, hey? Yeah. Like it's eight songs. It's over the the songs that feel the longest, even though Slip It In is pretty long. I think Slip It In's around six minutes or so. Obliteration and You're Not Evil feel the longest. You're Not Evil's a good song. Yeah, Slip It In is Slip It In is over five minutes long. You ready to do the ballot result? Not just yet. What else? We got to talk about the album artwork. Of course. This is so that I, I have to go back for a second here, Ryan. I'm going back to 13 year old Brandt holding this and my war in my hands and just looking at this album cover and going, I cannot bring this home. <laughs> I can't, I cannot bring this album into my house. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is up there with one of the most famous not just black flag images but raymond pettibone images of all time and it and for those who haven't seen it and most people have probably everyone who's listening to this it is an image of a nun who's kind of at the knees of a man and uh has either finished or is about to start it is suggesting probably oral sex and the caption says Nobody knows more than I that the less girls know, the better they are likely to be. Definitely um, adding to the provocation and controversy associated with this record. I mean, I mean, it's called Slip It In. Like this isn't, you know, the image is not necessarily related to the Slip It In lyrics. But you put Slip It In next to that image of the nun on the album cover, that's a mind blower. Yeah. Here's the other thing. Have you ever seen the Slip It In video? Yeah. It's terrible. I watched it this week. <laughs> I, I mean, I've seen it before, but wow, was I watched it this week and uh, it was tough to get through. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Was that ever horrible? 
I mean, what, yeah. what, how would you describe it? It's, it's like eighties kids in a classroom with some, with some cutaways to the band playing live. It's terrible. Yeah. And they're like lip syncing the words. And then the, at the end of the video, it's the teacher. I think it's the teacher saying it. Uh, don't forget see black flag on tour. Like, I, I wonder what they were planning on doing with this video. Yeah, where could you possibly show that? Yeah. YouTube, 30 years later, that's where. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, before we get to the ballot result, let's do some runout grooves. This one's got good ones. I looked at them before we... Do you have it? Before we started. Yeah, I have it. Yeah. Okay, well, why don't you read them all? Okay, I'll read them. Hold on. Turn on my runoff groove lamp here. Yeah, you, you definitely need special lighting. Side one. Only the steaming liquid of caffeine. Stark. Starker. Oh, that just makes me thirsty for more coffee. Yeah. Mug, mug, mug. And walked out into the bright light without sunglasses. Spot. Good old spot on the B side. All right, now I believe it is time for the ballot result. Ballot result. So hit me with it. You know what my favorite? No, you you hit me with it. This is your favorite Black Flag album, so you hit it, me. You know it. I think it is. But I was thinking, you know, eventually we're going to get to Loose Nut, which is also super good. And in my head is not a very well regarded record, but that's way up there for me too. So, but I still think Slip It In is probably my favorite. In my head is very well regarded. Uh, by like the members of the band and and the people that ran the label they, to them that's the that's the ultimate album no i know and and a bunch of it has a bit of like a cult status but everyone everyone always gushes about damaged my war side two and and maybe a bit of slip it in and in my head everyone kind of just throws away as you know there was too much excess, uh, or or I guess vanity um, on the part of Greg Ginn by that point, and they were kind of, you know, Black Flag was over by the time of In My Head. I don't agree yeah. with that, but that's what you hear from a lot of people. But yeah. uh, I'll gladly say that Slip It In is my is my favorite. Um, and I mean, I would love the ballot result to be Slip It In, but. I gotta go with black coffee. Oh yeah, I would have. I would have said slip it in. Really? Yeah. Uh, what are the rules? We can't have two songs, right? We cannot. Uh, oh, you can get black coffee when we do wasted again. How how can we say? <laughs> okay, if it's, it if it's if it's on there. How can we, Ryan, how can we say that the first 30 seconds of this song are like Black Flag at their pinnacle and not put it into the into the ballot it is. result? It, listen, it is Black Flag at the pinnacle, the start of the song Slip It In. But is it my favorite song on the record? No, Black Coffee is. But yet again, you you give me the first choice. <laughs> And then you convince me otherwise. And I take it away. Yeah. So let's go and slip it in. I'm good. Right on. It's probably more fitting for it to be slip it in anyways. Yeah. What's next week, Ryan? 
just when you thought you didn't have enough black flag, it's live 84. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to getting into some of these, you know, like I listen to Lutz not uh, quite a bit. Uh, in my head, I don't go back to so much, but maybe I should. Maybe I need to listen to it more. You know what? I got to admit, we were talking about how Slip It In, it's got a terrible video. In my head, the song yep. uh, Drinking and Driving has got a terrible video also. But yep. it's part of what got me into that record. I don't know. Yeah. Well, let's get to Live in 84 next week. Right on. Thanks for listening, everybody. 